Well, welcome everybody to Yard Church. So good to be with you all tonight. And if you're uh, watching or listening, this is uh, new, obviously. And we're going to try this uh, for a few weeks here leading up to Advent. Then we'll kind of let you know what we're thinking of next. You should have gotten an email Sunday, uh, or rather Friday, that uh, tells you how to register for Yard Church. We're going to be able to fit about 20 families or single units and in the Spain Hour backyard, we'd love to have you come out and join us for worship. And tonight, you'll you'll notice that it's a it's a shorter service. And one of the reasons why is uh, families are welcome. We've got some kids here tonight, and they've got their they're, they're shaking things and having a good time. Nolan, you did a great job on the shaker. You're just like your father. You got a sense of beat there. So uh, you'll notice too that the service is shorter, and the sermon will be shorter as well. And we'll put the pastoral prayer tonight after the sermon. So uh, let's pray, though, before we begin to. Lord, thank you so much just for the chance to be together tonight. And I look forward to being with many others of our body in the week to come, and then all of us together in the future days ahead. Holy Spirit, would you come and fill? It's a beautiful evening here. I pray somehow that we could all be together in a virtual space, that you would, you would fill this space with your spirit, with your presence, that you would work in and through the technology to join our hearts together in the spirit, and that we would be able to be the people of God together, however and wherever we're accessing this. We ask this in your name. Amen. Well, we're going through the book of Acts, and now we're coming up to a very uh, important part of the book of Acts. Uh, You might say it's the most important transition as we're moving into uh, the expansion of the gospel to the Gentiles. And all of that hinges on a conversion of a, a man named Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. It's probably the most important chapter of the book of Acts. And the gospel breaks through Uh, cultural and racial lines, and that's when you begin to see the gospel go into all the nations of the earth. Now, it's also the story of the conversion of Cornelius, because for some reasons we'll look at next week, Cornelius has some prejudices, he has some racial biases that tell him that he really should not be associating with Gentiles. And that keeps him from being able to share the gospel with Cornelius. So what we're heading into is is one of the climatic moments in the book where Cornelius is also converted from his racism to prepare him to share the gospel so that Cornelius, or rather Peter's converted from his racism so he can share the gospel with Cornelius. Now, the way Luke brings us up to speed is uh, to bring Peter back onto the stage to tell us where Peter's been. And Peter has been along the Judean coast of visiting the churches that have been planted in the the villages there. And uh, he's been preaching the gospel and he's been sharing miracles. And uh, the last sermon that we were together with, he healed a paralyzed man. And this week he's summoned to Joppa, by believers mourning the death of a beloved woman in their church. Um, And we're going to look at that story tonight. Her name was Tabitha. And I just want to, it's such a beautiful, simple, short story. I want to kind of walk us through it tonight. Now, there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity, 
In those days she became ill and died, and when they'd washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Now, Joppa was about 12 miles away from uh, Lydda. It was a harbor town, rocky, uh, mostly Jewish, and a small community of believers had begun there. And apparently, Dorcas is one of the spiritual mothers of this church. And she has led a beautiful life. Uh, It's a simple life. It's a good life filled with caring for others and generosity. And Luke it tells us both her Aramaic name and her Greek name, which almost never happens. And the translation of both is the same. It means gentle deer or gazelle. And in the Hebrew language, names often reveal the character of a person. So perhaps Luke wants us to know that this was a very gentle, tender, uh, loving woman and that the church has lost someone that they really cared about. Spiritual mothers were and are vital to the flourishing of the church. Uh, in Genesis 1, 27, uh, the word says that male and female are created in the image of God. And that's important because it tells us that the only way we fully bear the image of God is when male and female are together. And so that's true in the leadership of the church as well. And so this gentle Tabitha uh, brings part of the image of God with her. We share the image and bear the image when men and women partner together. Now, the the cloud of persecution hangs over the story. We'll see this coming up in chapter 12 again. And you remember already we've seen persecution break out three times. And, and one of the things that uh, historians notice is that spiritual mothers often care well for the community during times of terror and anxiety. You know, even to this day, there's a group called the Mothers of the Disappeared, and they dance on the plaza in uh, Buenos Aires, and they dance because they're remembering their lost sons and daughters who disappeared during the Dirty War in the 80s. And they gently keep that memory alive. A Jewish theologian named Melissa Raphael wrote a book called The Female Face of God at Auschwitz. And she's gone back and she's unearthed stories uh, of how women cared for the community and clung to their faith, even in the darkest place on earth. And she tells one story of a woman uh, torn from her husband and children by SS guards when she arrived at the camp. And she falls on the on the frozen ground before the crematorium. And suddenly she feels two hands uh, laying a garment on her shoulders. An old French woman had stepped forward, wrapping her in her own cloak, whispering, it will be over soon. It will be over. Spiritual mothers make present the feminine side of God uh, to the world and to the church. They create, they hold, they generate, they love, they renew, they prophesy, they relate, they collaborate, they lead in a different key. And when they die, it hurts. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging, Please, come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. And all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. 
You know, it's interesting. The first time I read this, I assumed that they had just said, come, raise her from the dead. Um, but the text actually doesn't say why they wanted Peter to come. It could be that they wanted him to raise her from the dead, but the text doesn't say anything about that. Uh, even when Luke gives descriptions of what the upper room conversation was like, no one says anything about raising her from the dead. Perhaps Tabitha's grieving friends did what we do. They wanted a friend of Christ, someone who had been with Christ and carried the presence of Christ to come join them in their pain. And so they invite Peter, which I think gives us an opportunity to ask a question. When you are mourning or in pain, um, do you have a friend of Christ to invite to come sit with you, um, even if it's through Zoom? You know, a friend shared this week a story of another friend who's a school teacher who had the loss of a student to suicide last week. And the friend made the observation, we may be getting through the worst part of the pandemic physically, but we don't yet know what the toll emotionally and in terms of mental health is yet to be. You know, I'm very hopeful about what God is doing and I'm really looking forward to just what's coming up this next year. I'm also aware that winter's coming too. And um, especially for those of us that are a little more isolated, it could be kind of a lonely time. So one of the things you might think about is, who's your Peter? Who, who's your friend of Jesus that you can invite uh, in to share your, your pain and your discomfort? Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. So this is the story now from Peter's perspective. And what's interesting is he does not enter the room and say, Tabitha, arise. It says, he knelt down and prayed. And the tense of the Greek verb suggests that he did it for a while. So he clears out the room, and then he prays as if he wasn't sure what God wanted to do. And I'm reminded of that story in John 5 where Jesus is asked, why did you heal the man at the pool? And he says, my father's working until now, and I'm working. The son can do nothing of his own accord, just what he sees the father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. It's a beautiful model of Peter being so present to Christ in the middle of pain and chaos and confusion that he doesn't just react, he stops and prays to discern what to do next. And today we might say that Peter is a non-anxious presence in this community. Uh, he, he's invited into the pain. He creates this still space where he can hear God and not just react. And then he moves in a life-giving way. And a friend shared with me recently, we're talking about how best do we serve one another in this time. And they said, I think one of the biggest gifts we can give right now is the gift of being a non-anxious presence. Uh, these are times where there's a lot of anxiety. And so Peter provides, a, I think, a good model here respond to the invitations, 
go ahead and move into those painful places. But when you're there, speak out of a stillness and an awareness of the presence of Christ and speak words of life. You know, again, I want to ask you, who are you inviting into your anxious spaces in this season? Um, there'll be some more anxious spaces uh, in the months ahead. There'll be anxious classrooms and anxious hospitals and anxious chat rooms and anxious Thanksgiving gatherings. Can you be like Peter in those spaces? Not reacting, but speaking words of life. You know, and I also, I think it's fair to ask too, what, what voices are you having speak into your life right now? Um, if, if you are feeling some anxiety, who are you inviting to speak? Uh, and, and are the voices that are speaking into your life right now bringing peace and life and clarity or confusion, anxiety, and fear? And if the answer is the latter, maybe you need some other voices. You know, at the end, lovely little conclusion, and it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord, and he stayed in Joppa for many days with Simon the Tanner. So this is just this beautiful story of a godly man who's been with Christ, who brings peace and life into a painful situation. The church grows. You kind of want to roll the credits at this point. But what we're going to see next week is that Peter has an enormous blind spot. He struggles with racial prejudice. And eight verses later, this godly man will be corrected by God in a vision so that he can align himself with God's pure heart for spreading the gospel. Now, you might say, no, wait a minute. Peter wasn't racist. That's just what the Old Covenant taught, right? Is that they shouldn't be around non-Jews. No, that's not true. Uh, Abraham, Genesis 12, God says, I'm going to make Israel be a blessing to all the families of the earth. The prophets envision all the families of the earth coming to worship. Jesus says to the disciples, go into all the nations of the earth and share the gospel. So, like so many of us, Peter's a godly man, but he had a huge blind spot. And at this point, as we'll see next week, the whole church had a blind spot around race. They were missing something extraordinarily important, and God has to work a miracle to correct Peter, who will then go to Jerusalem and correct the elders. So here's a little homework assignment for you for next week. You might pray, God, would you expose in me and in our church any way that I'm prejudiced, any wrong thinking about race, and would you correct it so that I can be fully aligned with you, confess my sin, and share the gospel in whatever way he wants? Well, let's pray. Lord, um, Two things come to mind as, as we pray and before we go to the table on this lovely night. One is that there are a lot, of, uh, a lot of anxious spaces in our worlds these days. And uh, that's probably not going to go away for a little while. So we want to be like Peter. We want to be a non-anxious presence that gently and humbly 
enters into the chaos and the anxiety and the confusion and the sadness, is able to be non-reactive to emotion and fear, but rather speak and minister and love out of a, a stillness, a, a, an abiding connection with you. And Lord, I pray for anybody listening or watching who really needs a Peter, a friend of Jesus, to come and sit with them in their pain. And I think it's significant in this story, Peter didn't initiate. He didn't know. They initiated. And I pray that Anybody hearing this tonight that feels isolated, and especially if they're starting to be depressed and maybe considering self-harm, I pray that they would reach out to a friend of Jesus and invite them to come and lift them out of their darkness. And then, Lord, this, this second prayer, wow, what a year with race. Uh, just so much going on there, so much pain so much coming up, so many good things happening. Lord, this is next week will be a story about how a godly man is convicted by you of racism. So Lord, any way that lingers in us, individually and corporately, we ask that you would do what you have to do to cleanse us of that, that we might repent from our sin and be faithful sharers of the gospel. Meet us now, we pray, as we come to the table. In your name, amen.